from the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network, welcome to Homeschooling in Real Life, the podcast. I'm Fletch. And I'm Kendra. As veteran homeschooling parents, we discuss topics that tend to divide and distract Christian homeschoolers from each other and the gospel. On the Homeschooling IRL podcast, we promise to be honest, transparent, and witty as we uncover what it means to homeschool in real life. If you want to maintain a relationship with your children that is healthy, open the lines of communication. Really accept that your children might have something different to say. They might have a different thought process. And that is something that you need to respect, because if you do not respect that, your children will reject you. All right, that clip we just heard was Matthew Mason. He's a homeschool graduate and a friend of our family's. And we're going to have him in the studio. We recorded him just a few months ago when he came over to our house for dinner. He did. And, you know, I I think we're getting to say this like every episode now. But honestly, this has got to be one of my favorite interviews. Yes, mine too. And this episode has actually caused quite a buzz before it's even come to, to play on the air tonight. Because a lot of people want to hear his story. It's a great story. But they also want to hear our discussion about homeschooling students, uh, the flaws with homeschooling, uh, and and the benefits of homeschooling. All in one episode. This is going to be a great one. We've got a quick commercial coming up. Keep listening, and we will be right back. The iHomeschool Network weekly podcast features a panel of homeschool moms who chat about teaching our children, curriculum, parenting, managing our homes, and self-care. Some of the previous topics have included socialization for homeschoolers, homeschooling an only child, meal planning for the homeschool family, and teaching worldview. And just a few of the topics scheduled for 2014 are teaching writing and homeschool co-ops. Find the iHomeschool Network weekly podcast by searching iHomeschool Hangouts podcast on iTunes or go to iHomeschoolNetwork.com. Well, we're back in the studio for our 15th episode of Homeschooling in Real Life, the podcast. I'm sitting across from my always beautiful (laughs) co-host, the lovely Kendra. Well, you've built expectations in our listeners' heads as to what I really actually look like. (laughs) Yeah, that's why, you know... People always say I have a face for podcasting. Right. (laughs) Um, We have quite a podcast episode for our listeners tonight. Yes, we do. We have a great guest, a family friend, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think a story that could spin a few heads. Yeah, you know, I think the idea of a homeschool prodigal, of any prodigal, you know, a child who walks away from the way they were raised in the home of believing parents, is intimidating. Yeah, and I know, you know, I think just as a point of intro here, I can go back a few years where we uh, uh, we had a, a family at a church we were attending mm-hmm. where their oldest son pretty much walked. Yeah. I can remember bumping into him several years later and just having a really great conversation with him and walking away and feeling really good about where this kid had been, only to be told later by a friend that he struggled deeply with deception Mm. and that he had been, even at the time we were talking to him, hooked on drugs, hooked on alcohol, um, to a real addictive state, not just casual drinking, but this, this was a child that was struggling with addiction problems, uh, that, or even talking to Chris Jube, uh, on the episode love in the house, a few episodes ago where he had mentioned, uh, engaging a few of the 
homeschool graduates on Homeschoolers Anonymous. You remember yeah. him talking about that? I do, yeah. And, you know, this idea that your, your kids that you're raising abandon their faith, mm-hmm. abandon their upbringing, abandon their families, their church, whatever it is. I don't think homeschoolers and maybe a lot of our listeners, I think we're ill-equipped to handle that. Oh, I think there's just a ton of fear uh, for parents raising kids. You know, a lot of us are homeschooling because we think it's a means to an end. And when that end doesn't happen the way we initially maybe orchestrated in our minds or uh, anticipated, it's very, very painful. Um, And it's a legitimate fear. I mean, you want to see your kids walking with God. You want to see them making choices that bring them peace and growth in their lives. Um, it's just a, t- it's just a tough subject. All the well, way you know, around. even, I mean, just to go back to another episode, homeschooling will save your children. Yeah. If, if you're living, if, if you're a listener to this podcast and you're a homeschooler, uh, homeschooling parent, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, we're doing all the right things. We're doing everything that we think will produce a result of holiness or salvation. Well, we've already talked about that in a whole episode. <laughs> right. Two episodes it took us actually to get right. through that one. Yeah. And, and when I think about it, though, when, if that's your mindset, mm-hmm. yeah, a big fear is my kid's walking. Right. Um, how about us personally? Do you think of a personal story here? I was thinking about when our boys asked us at a younger age, would it be okay if we didn't go to the same church as you? <laughs> right. Remember? And I, I remember I not even being in a position at that point. Even when they asked that, being feeling a little wonky about it, hmm. because I can remember some elders in our church whose highest aspiration was to go to church with his kids and his grandkids and just multi generations, mm-hmm. and that's great. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that's wrong, mm-hmm. but that is a little bit of a burden you put on your kids, especially as they get older and and maybe they're growing their own wings and flying a different direction. Yeah, and one of the things you and I say often on the podcast and just actually in real life, you know, in our home and to each other is we want our kids to be free to serve God no matter what that looks like. So is it possible that your kids, you know, in that church example, is it possible your kids could be called to be at a different church when they're adults, your young adults and making those choices for themselves? Is it possible that they may be ministered to or can minister in a community that's different than your church community? Yeah. And sometimes I think just as parents, we need to uh, maybe even play the game of going forward in time Mm -hmm. and seeing our children married with kids of their own in a family unit that that may be making different decisions. And it might be a little bit easier when that actually happens. (laughs) Yeah. Because if you do the other thing, if you have a forward thinking of they're going to be my kids just older, Right. Uh, and then they do make choices that are good choices, just different. Yeah. Um, then that's something. So this episode, though, we have a young man that we're interviewing that's made some big choices mm-hmm. that are very different yeah. than what his parents had. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? I'm not going to beat around the bush. This took some careful editing on this episode. We It may sound a little choppy mm. in the interview because we had to edit some things out that were probably even a little too hard uh, for our listeners to hear. Um, and, and we, we talked openly about that during the interview. We joked about it right. saying, well, this is going to be a section we're going to have to cut out. Yeah. And you know, when you hear Matthew in this episode, I think you'll, you'll hear, um, some pain that he's had to work through in his life, but I will tell you that I really have not been around a more gracious, gentle, kind, uh, generous young man in a long time. Hey, Kenj, let me ask you a tough question. 
Okay. Yeah, you like this one. Uh, what did you learn from listening to this interview with Matthew? Ooh, that is a tough question. Um, you know, I would say that out of this interview, I was compelled to such a deeper level of compassion. Um, and I think that's maybe what we need to remember when we're we're thinking about um, maybe some of the homeschool prodigals or, you know, or kids who've walked away in anger from whatever their upbringing was. Some of it's valid. Some of it is not all that valid. You think, well, you know what, you're just getting to the end of being raised in a family and, and realizing your parents weren't perfect. You know, hello, that's yeah. <laughs> that's just the reality of growing up. You turn back and you say, oh, my parents did this and they did this and it was wrong, you know, whatever. We all kind of go through that in our early 20s, I think. But at some point, um, it, I think as parents, it can be, we can sort of take a hard line with kids who are, who are naysayers. Um, you know, you mentioned that Homeschoolers Anonymous website that Chris Jube told us about. Let's turn to these kids and listen to what they have to say because there are some valid criticisms and we need to look at them with compassion and mercy and tenderness. And let's, let's turn and be just as generous and gracious to them. And Fletch, the same goes for you. Were there things that you learned out of this interview? Well, you know, I already, I think you know this about me, and maybe our listeners are starting to pick this up, um, that in the world of homeschooling, in the world of Christian parenting, in the world of Christianity, I tend to be a little bit edgier. Mm -hmm. So I'm already attracted toward fringe (laughs) people. I mean, that's already something in me. That if there's a little quirkiness, that's who I'm going to find. You are the dentist who has a pirate puppet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just goofy. But, you know, if I am also the dentist who will engage uh, patients on a very deep level mm-hmm. as to how they are um, growing marijuana in their home right. for sales. I mean, that, right. that, exactly. that's not something that would... Uh, uh, scare me. That's a conversation I want to enter into Mm -hmm. because I genuinely want to learn. So getting to this interview with Matthew, I'm already attracted to a kid who's on the fringe Mm. or to someone who feels like he's been pushed out Yeah, um, based on his own choices. He's made choices that are clearly at 90 degree odds with not only his parents, but a lot of our listeners and us to some extent. Uh So um, I know he's on the outs, but I am attracted to, well, why are you there? Why did you make this decision? And so I think this interview with him has caused me, like you said, to be more gracious to those kids on the fringe. That that kid I talked about earlier, had I known when we were talking to him that he had an addiction problem, you know me, I would have entered straight into the questions about that addiction. Oh, yeah. I would not have beat around the bush. I would have asked him what... What are you addicted to? Why are you addicted to it? Yeah. What are you looking for? What you know? I would be, I would ask him about hope shifting. Right. There we go. That's fifteen episodes where we've <laughs> mentioned hope shifting. Yeah. Um, go back and listen to that episode if you want to know what we're talking about. <laughs> but you know, I I would I I'm already attracted to that. But I think what he encouraged me to do is to do that with our own kids. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a 21 year old son who's getting ready to graduate college. We have a 19 year old son who's getting away getting ready to go away to college. Mm-hmm. And then it just goes down the line. Um, but it's to, to, to listen to them like I didn't used to listen. It's to hear them share their heart, where they are, what's troubling them, uh, what their grand ideas are. You know, mm-hmm. as a, when they were kids, we used to say, quick, to the mobile. <laughs> you know, 
they had some grand idea. Right. But now it's to really listen to those grand ideas. Yeah. And to give them a chance to say, well, what, were you, what are you thinking through this topic? Mm-hmm. Um, I think secondly, it's to not be afraid that my kids are going to walk. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really, I, I think in this discussion was, you know what, it, it would bum me out, but I'm not going to live in fear. Right. You know, it's not my, it's not me that they're rejecting. It's not my faith that they're rejecting. Right. You know, they are individuals. The Christianity, uh, Jesus came to save one soul at a time. Mm-hmm. And even for us, even though we have a covenantal theology background, mm-hmm. he is still in the business of saving individuals. Right. And I think really getting that mm-hmm. and then, uh, and understanding that's what I learned. That's great. What do we say to the parent who clings to that verse that says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it? You know, that they are on a temporary path or, or that. Do, do we have a response for that? <laughs> Gosh, ask me a loaded question there. Well, I'm, it's not a loaded, and I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm just, that's a verse we cling to. Mm. You know, like, hey, you did all this great parenting along the way. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is our response what, what I was saying earlier? That it's an individual soul? If you are saying, train up a child, if I train up my child, then he will follow God. Where's my hope? In your training. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So we're back to hope shifting, Fletch. You know, and it is God and God alone that saves our kids. He is about the business of this. And I'll tell you, you know, let's get a little bit raw. (laughs) I was on the phone this morning with one of our older children And he is really struggling, really struggling through some things in his life. And I told him, you can vent to me all you want. Call me anytime, you know, come sit by me anytime and tell me what you're struggling with. It can be raw. It can be brutal. It can be about me in a negative way if you want, you know, tell me all those things. Tell them to God because it's not like God doesn't know what's in your heart. So tell God how angry you are or whatever the deal is. But if you are going to do that, if you're going to tell me those things, I will always, always, always point you back to God. I will always point you back to Jesus. So, you know, have it out. Deal with those things in your life. The answer is always going to be Jesus and God's right. salvation. And, you not, know, we might be, you know, we might be again, building an audience of people that are listening just like us. Mm-hmm. But I think we've seen in the last couple emails that have come in from listeners that we have people listening that aren't even Christians. Yeah, that's yeah, right. So this might be all brand new to them. But I, I think what I just heard you say was it's okay to come and vent to me. We probably have parents and listeners out there who don't want that. They're afraid yeah. of what their kids might say. Right. And from homeschooling IRL, let me just tell you, for your your podcasting hosts here, I lived in a position of I don't really want to hear the truth. Mm. Of what my kids have to say. That's a fearful question. Right. You know, tell, you know, come vent to me about me. A lot of parents <laughs> don't want to hear that. But, you know, I would say, again, if you're living in the gospel, if your hope is in Christ and not in your parenting right. and not in your skills, mm-hmm. that really gives you the freedom to sit down with a kid and say, what do you want to tell me? Are you? Are they going to abandon their faith? Is that what they're going to tell you? Um, is Are they going to tell you uh, some bigger, more lifestyle choices that Matthew shares with us? What is it? And if you are squarely centered on Christ, yes. you can handle anything that they're going to tell you. Exactly. Because your hope is not in what, how they come out, yeah. 
what accomplishments they do. Yeah. Um, their, their partner through life that they choose right. uh, in their spouse um, or if they choose not to get married, you know, any mm-hmm. of those things that we put up as the, the standard of homeschoolers of, Hey, my kid graduated early. My kid did this. My kid, you know, <laughs> my kid found a perfect mm-hmm. um, mate. We did courtship. We did betrothal. We did whatever <laughs> the baloney story is. That's yeah. going to equate perfection for you. Yeah. If you can let that go yeah. and just say, Hey, you know what? My, my hope is in Christ. Yes. Um, that's going to bring freedom, not just to your child, but to you oh, as the parent. Yeah. So how about if we go to the interview and uh, we spend some time with Matthew and then we come up and wrap things up when we're done. Sounds great. All right, we're excited to be sitting down uh, in the studio live, not on Skype this time. No, I know. Kind of fun. (laughs) We actually talked to guests into our home. Uh, We... We uh, we fed him and he's, we fed him. Yeah, yeah he's alive. Bribed me with food. And yeah. <laughs> so we're excited to be here with Matt Mason. Uh, we've known uh, Matt and his family for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a homeschool graduate, and as we have uh, talked about during the intro, um, we're excited he's here because he has thoughts about homeschooling, uh, both the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. right exactly. Yeah. So, um, Matt, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about who you are uh, right now in life, uh, age, and what you're doing? Firstly, I would like to thank you very much for inviting me. It was such, you really, really had to twist my arm to get me here. (laughs) I mean, you just said food and I was on board. Um, My name is Matthew Mason. I go by Matt. Um, 23. I've spent a lot of years in homeschooling K through 12 never been to a public school in my entire life <laughs> which eh, has its has its flaws has its has its benefits um, I know that if I had been in a public school with my manic personality I would have been drugged up like nobody's business were you an active kid very oh active. wow okay. and I wanted to focus on what I wanted to focus on, not no, not necessarily what I had to focus on. So, um, <laughs> spent a lot of time around corners and on top of things reading. Yeah, growing up, um, <clears throat> and my mom would always say, "If you were in a public school, they'd have you on Ritalin." And I was like, "Ritalin? What?" <laughs> now I'm thinking, you know, Ritalin might have actually helped me a lot, <laughs> but you never know. And are you uh, in school right now or working or? I am trying to go through the swamp of paperwork that homeschooling introduces once you get out of it and try to go to college. Oh, Oh, wow. All right. We're going to talk about that then. And uh, great. So um, why don't we start with a little bit about uh, just upbringing and what was life like in your family and and school? Let's say that. Okay. Well, I was the youngest of three boys, and they'd been homeschooling for a few years before I came along. So um, I came along, and from the age of birth, pretty much, we were like groomed into being self-sufficient, independent people who helped out around the house and at the same time used our minds as much as we possibly could. Um, I learned to read when I was about three, and um, read fluently 
by the time I was six. And words and books always appealed to me very much. And my mother and my dad recognized that and really made my education very um, writing and word-based. Mm-hmm. Um, daily life, didn't eat until we'd cleaned up. Once we cleaned up, we had breakfast. After breakfast, started classes. Um, generally pretty rigid. And we had assignments, which we were supposed to get through every day. And if we got our assignments done ahead of time, great. But if we didn't, well, then we just worked on them until they were done. We weren't able to go to bed until they were done. So very strict, a lot of discipline. It really cemented a good work ethic. But... Mm. So let's back up just a second, because uh, as you say family, um, you have part of that story uh, that I'd like to hear about okay. family. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about life and how that started for you? And Well, um, before I was born, well, a little about my mother. Um, very, very pro-life, very much of an activist. So, um, spent a lot of time picketing, protesting the abortion clinics, um, pro-life advocacy. Well, not so much pro-life advocacy, more a lot of a pro-birth advocacy because, Mm. you know, the death penalty was perfectly fine. War was perfectly fine, but killing a baby wasn't perfectly fine, which, you know, gave me some problems. But anyway, that's neither here (laughs) here nor there right now. Um... One time, my mother was in front of the abortion clinic um, protesting, and this lady had been inside the abortion clinic early earlier that day, and she was going to have an abortion, decided not to, um, wanted to talk to someone about the fact that she was pregnant, she was 19, she was unmarried, no job, already had a baby, so on and so forth. So um, my mother, who's protesting, talks to the strange lady off the street and says, well, if you can't take care of your baby, I will take care of your baby. So I was adopted before I was ever born. Wow. Um, Yeah, which was great. I respect my parents for that because they definitely practice what they preach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, how does that story then play out in the rest of life? In the rest of life? Well, I went... I always knew that I was adopted. I always knew my story. I was a pro-life activist of my own sort. Um, Did a lot of public speaking. Did a lot of um, advocacy for the pro-life issue. Um, The entire story of how I was adopted and saved from an abortion and so on and so forth actually got me pretty far in a few speech competitions. Oh, that's funny. Um, It's compelling, Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. And I realize that now because it's Mm -hmm. like, before I was in that bubble of the homeschool Christian community and everyone was like, Oh, it's such a beautiful story. But now that I'm outside of that bubble and really getting Mm. a feel for what the world is like, people are, uh, people are like, you know, that's great. Mm. That is great that your mother was able to find an alternative. Mm. I was like, you know, it's true. It's very true. Mm -hmm. Um, I never met my birth mother until I was 19. Um, Yeah. After I came out of the closet, my adoptive mother decided that she was going to call my birth mother and freak out. (laughs) So um, she did that. She gave my birth mother my phone number in the hopes that she might fix this (laughs) horrible, horrible thing that had just happened. So I got a phone call from my birth mother the next morning, and she was like, do you want to have coffee? And I said, sure. 
So we went out for coffee. I took my brother with me because I was like, uh, someone's got to go with me. I'm not going by myself. <laughs> so um, first thing she said to me, she was like, I just want you to know that your mother called me yesterday in a panic because you had told her that you were gay. And I just want you to know that's fine. Well, it didn't work out the way your mom had wanted that. No, no, not in the slightest. <laughs> no. Not in the slightest. Has that been a problem at all? Is there tension? Um, Is there now a... A triangular tension <laughs> between you and a mom and you and a birth mom and a birth mom and a mom? There's no tension between my birth mother and I. Um, she feels guilt. She's like, "What? I probably would have been able to give you a better life. And I was like, you know, that's neither here nor there. I had a great life growing up. It was tough. It was, it was not necessarily what I would do with my own children if I ever have children, but it was great. And thank you. You did what you needed to do at that time in your life. Yeah. Um, so there's really no tension between my birth mother and I. There, there's, there's tension between my mom and I. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, you've clearly made a choice. We'll, 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 why don't we just go down that path? You've made a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk at all? I feel like I'm talking. No, I'm just enjoying listening. This is, oh, okay. <laughs> this is good. Um, uh, there's a choice to come out. Uh, to declare, um, you know, that you're a gay and you're, you're, there's been some rejection, mm-hmm. I'm assuming by oh, your yes. adoptive family, adoptive parents, adoptive mom, some, re- some rejection, but <clears throat> we're working through that. Okay. Which is great. Well, how, um, initially when that happened, how do you feel the people surrounding you in that bubble of Christian homeschooling? How, what was the response? Um, you know, a lot of, um, I have no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the homeschooling convention over at Center Plaza mm-hmm. a few months after I had come out, of, like publicly to everyone. And um, my former pastor's daughter-in-law comes up to me and she just threw a little fit. I was sitting there talking to one of my really good friends, Becca, who I hadn't seen in a couple of years. And then um, this lady comes up and bursts into tears. And she was like, the Lord has compelled me to, to, to warn you away from this path of destruction that you are going down. And I was like, whoa, your girls are right in front of you and you look crazy. (laughs) Um, so she just walked away and. There were a couple of other conversations. A couple of people were like, why would you choose to do something like this? And I generally look at them and say, what? Stop lying? Mm. That's what I chose to do. And you don't seem to be taking that very well. So overall, that would you say that the homeschooling community has been open-minded, closed-minded, or just they don't have the tools? Is that the way I understood it? Um, we just don't have what we need to deal with this situation? Right. A lot of that. A lot of not really knowing what to do and not really wanting to figure out how to do it. After that entire period of time where I came out of the closet, most of the people that I've really called my good friends simply stopped talking to me. Mm-hmm. And that's how most people handled it. Yeah, I would say, hey, how's it going? Do you want to go get coffee sometime? They're like, sure. Or no. (laughs) And the ones that are saying sure are taking it as an opportunity to try and convince me to come back to the fold. And I'm like, he, no. I've left the bubble. I'm not going back. Mm. (laughs) Matthew, I remember remember that convention. I remember you being there. And I remember... um, 
talking to you and giving you a big hug. And um, I remember your mom saying thank you to me. She kind of grabbed my eye at that and just said thank you really? for, for loving my son. Um, <clears throat> because I think she was well aware that that's not the response you were getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to pat myself on the back because I do think it's a, it's, it's hard to know how to handle something when you've been ill-equipped and when you only are being taught that homosexuality is a sin and that it's wrong. Okay. So then how do we, how do we effectively love that person who's doing something we think is destructive or is wrong? Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you understand that, that, um, some of your friends who are, are saying that to you or, you know, trying to change you or whatever, they, they, they are doing that out of love mm-hmm. for you. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I think you, you're a pretty level-headed guy, and, you know, I think you can see that. But you and I had had this discussion um, earlier before we started this interview about how the church needs to figure this out mm-hmm. because homosexuality is not going away. No. And um, our culture is embracing it. Um, our government is embracing it, you know, and so largely, or at least in California. Um, so... You know, yeah, we can't forget this podcast goes around the world, right? It does, but how, you know, how do we as Christians, if we believe that Scripture says that homosexuality is a sin on the level of every other sin, how how do we do this? How do we love people any differently or any better than we have been doing? So that's a you know that's a tricky tricky place to go, but I know you understand it because I know you've, you were raised understanding that this was, you know, sinful or it was unbiblical or. I've been studying a lot of, um, belief systems outside of Christianity. And one of them is Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And I really don't want to say that it's a belief system. It's more of a way of life and it's a way of living. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that really impacted me the most was a quote from the book called Buddhist Boot Camp. The author says, understand that the opposite of what you know might be true. (laughs) And if you can come to that place in your mind where you can understand that this person you disagree with might actually have a grasp on truth that Mm. you had never considered before, then you can really start to come to that meeting of the minds. Mm. And once the minds have met, you get respect. And then from respect comes love. Mm. And it's like, just don't try to shut someone up just because you disagree with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what that's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm seeing a major shift in that in the homeschool community. Cause when I started really understanding what was going on back in the nineties, and the early 2000s, I know, so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I, yeah, it, it actually is. There is a paradigm shift that has occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think uh, the last, I think we've seen big changes even in the last maybe five years. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Um, the fact that it's not only Christians who are homeschooling. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. That's the big one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I attend the Unitarian Fellowship, and there's this one lady there who unschools her son, Mm -hmm. but she's not a Christian, Mm -hmm. not in the slightest sense of the word. She was like, I just think that I can love my child and teach my child better than the public school system can. Mm -hmm. I was like, and that's great. Teach your children well, their father's hell 
did slowly go by and feed them on your dreams—the one they picked. That's you've given us a lot to talk about. So let's let's back up, back to homeschooling for you. Um, give me some of the pros that you you found in homeschooling. My mother was a wonderful teacher, is a wonderful teacher. She um, <clears throat> she can read a child faster than anyone I've ever seen. Hmm. She can control a child better than anyone else I can ever see. Now, control. I have big problems with control. She was a little overbearing, absolutely. But she had a reason to do it. She was trying to make sure that her children learned how to learn. Hmm. Um, and she did a great job. All of her children turned out to be fairly well-adjusted, intelligent human beings, I think. Um, what homeschooling was like for me was a whole lot of, I don't want to do math. <laughs> and a whole lot of my mom saying, just get through algebra. Once you get, out, get through algebra, you can decide whether or not you want to continue doing math. I didn't. Now that I'm out of school, I'm like, oh, I really should have learned a lot more math. <laughs> um, but she she gave me the tools necessary to, to learn, and I went with them from there. Um, granted, I was a little motivated, um, both self-motivated and external motivation. Um but it was fun. She figured out what I wanted to do. This what is I was not a video about. cast, but I like the external motivation hand gesture you just gave. That was great. <laughs> Sorry. You know, it's like sometimes talking with my hands just helps me focus. We've um, used some external motivation in our family, too. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's necessary. Socialization was great. We found we did co-ops a few times. It was great because then you get that interaction of the other children because a lot of times it's mom and it's kid. And that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that can get a little overbearing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, tell me then, uh, maybe give me some of the negatives. Again, your perspective on on what was the negative in homeschooling for you? The negative in homeschooling uh, homeschooling was that bubble. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. When I was growing up, I did not have TV. Um, we had access to movies, and we had access to books. Were the movies and books filtered though? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, like. I don't know how many times I'd open a book and I'd be reading it. And then I'd come to a portion where there were about 20 pages missing from the book. And I was like, mom, why is, what happened to the book? And she said, oh, there was a inappropriate scene. So I had to take it out for you. I was like, oh, okay. And at the time, did that seem odd or is it now looking back? It's more odd now looking back than it was at the time. Okay. Um, because that's just what parents did. They protected their children. And that's what I heard because my mom was like, I love you and I want to protect you and I want to run your life and tell you what to think and what is appropriate and what is inappropriate instead of letting you figure that out for yourself, which is, which caused the major problem with like developing mentally. Um, the only music I was allowed to listen to was classical music and sacred music. And that, now that I am outside in the world, outside of the bubble, 
I can't talk to a lot of my friends about modern mainstream culture mm-hmm. because I have no clue. Um, mm-hmm. One of my friends, he was like, have you seen The Breakfast Club a few years ago? And I was like, the what? <laughs> and he said, The Breakfast Club, that movie with... And then he started naming a bunch of names. And I was like, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm sorry. So at dinner at our house tonight, I brought up The Breakfast Club. Now I know. <laughs> now I know what The Breakfast Club is because I went out and I watched it. And I was like, oh. I remember one time... I love show tunes. I always have. And I got my hands on the soundtrack to Wicked. And (laughs) that was a major fight with my family because I wanted to listen to Wicked. I wanted to read the book Wicked. But it was called Wicked. So (laughs) that's not what I should be reading. Yeah. Which is the story of um, the Wicked Witch of the West... And how Glinda, the Good Witch, and the Wicked Witch of the West interact, and how the Wicked Witch becomes evil. It really has nothing to do with. Well, you're right. I'm sorry. (laughs) I take that back. We're we're Wicked fans in our house, but but that's a funny thing because I I made some choices like that too when my kids were younger, just based on you know something that I thought it was, and Mm -hmm. it really wasn't. (laughs) So really wasn't. Really wasn't right. So Matthew, what? Are some of the the strengths that you see in the homeschool movement, or not even in the movement, but just in the the educational option to homeschool your kids? Because you have said, I want to homeschool my kids. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it really gives the child a unique educational experience because the person that knows them best is selecting the method in which they are taught. Mm. And if you have a discerning parent, the it's the most interactive, it's the most inspiring, it's mm-hmm. the most wonderful educational experience you could ever imagine. Um, and, but the flaw to that is that in a lot of times in the homeschool community, it's what mom and dad are thinking mm. and that's what's being taught and the child doesn't get the chance to develop their own worldview. Yeah. Which is interesting to say because I know a lot of homeschoolers say that's why they won't have their kids in the public school because the public school is feeding them what to think. You're doing the exact same thing. Right. But it's what you think, therefore it's good. Yeah. Less of that mentality, I think, would be a lot healthier. Um, and the ability to work through it and discuss it. Exactly. And maybe come to some of those conclusions on your own. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, the, maybe there are Christian homeschoolers who just follow a formula. Mm-hmm. This is how we're going to do it, because this is ATI. how... Yeah, and this is how that family does it. Mm-hmm. IBLP. This is how this mm-hmm. family does it. So we're just going to follow that method. And you know, we've talked about, if you do it this way, your kids will turn out exactly like you want them. Nope. Doesn't work. <laughs> so, uh, Your mother you know, can tell you that. So, you know, yeah, we, we just, you know, we had that discussion that, um, maybe the results that your mom was shooting for wasn't what she got, but she did get a son who thinks for himself, mm-hmm. who has the ability to be articulate and, you know, all the educational, maybe landmarks she wanted. I mean, you don't, it's My mom not like t- you don't know how to read or do math. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> My mom tells me over and over that she's very proud of me. Mm. And, you know, I like hearing that. That's great. 
Um, she'll follow that up with, if only you would find a nice girl. <laughs> I'm like, that's not going to happen, Mom. I'm really sorry. Let me ask you one more question about the bubble. Can you define, because when you say bubble, there are some people that are listening to this podcast that say, what is this bubble they're talking about? What is the definition of the Christian homeschool bubble that you were saying you were raised in? Just give me some um, defining terms. Reformed, legalistic, Calvinistic, Christian, Republican. A lot of that. Okay. Um, so anything, No modern philosophy. Anything none. that deviates off of that is going to be suspect or just... Not ne- discuss. Just not discuss. So uh, well, let me just pick discuss. one. Democrat. Um, That's discussed probably... derisively. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, non-reformed. Um, discussed as being heretical. Oh, interesting. Because, you know, one of the terms I used to like, and maybe you'll get a kick out of it, I used we used to go to a, a um, reformed Calvinistic church, mm-hmm. and I used to refer to the church as a graduate church. It's oh. the church you went to after you've already been to other churches and learn the basics. Like yeah. you could go to some of these and I won't name any names, but you can go to some of these, um, community churches, big mega churches. Yeah. So, I mean, there was that start with the basics, but then move on to the graduate church because here's where you'll learn about deep reform theology, mm-hmm. Calvinism. And, and again, I'm not saying there's anything inherently wrong. No. That's part of, uh, church history. And that's, uh, part of church government, and that's part of theology, and I think... Um, but at the same time, calling Arminius a hip, uh, yeah. hypocrite, calling Arminius a heretic, mm-hmm. probably not the best thing to do. Well, that's... you're going to alienate the Armenians. Yeah, and that's, mm-hmm. that's... You're looking historical. I'm not even saying that. I'm saying pointing across town at another church mm-hmm. and saying they're heretics. Mm-hmm. Or, well, they don't really understand the whole... Well, the term I also like is they don't understand the Reformed gospel. Right, because there's so many gospels. I didn't know there was (laughs) multiple gospels. (laughs) I mean, when Jesus was asked to summarize the entire law and the prophets, he said... He says, I'm going to kill him. He said two things. The first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as you would love yourself. You know, that's really simple. Yeah. It is, but it's not enough for some folks. Unfortunately. We just interviewed Chris Jube. Uh-huh. Was, and yeah. his whole, their family, they have 16 kids. And he said, we've got to figure out this love thing. And right. so they changed everything in their family. Um, and so here's a Christian homeschool dad involved in the debate community. I mean, mm-hmm. um, reform. I mean, he's friends with all the people that um, your folks would know from okay. the Christian homeschool environment. He's, he rubs shoulders with them. And... Um, he came to this conclusion that we need to figure out love. Mm-hmm. And so they started loving their children. Awesome. Verbally, physically, poly- mm-hmm. learning, how, learning how to apologize and say, we're wrong. Like we did this wrong. Like a worm loves to go. All right, Matt, I'd like to ask you a series of questions. Kendra can hop in here with any questions she wants to. Uh, they'll be, be quick and, and answer. 
Uh, will you homeschool your children? Yes. Okay. Um, are you glad you were homeschooled? Yes. Okay. Do you still have relationships within the Christian homeschooling community? Definitely not as many as I used to. Okay. Are you pro-adoption? Yes. In one or two words, explain uh, the, your relationship with your mom. Interesting. Interesting. Um, one of my friends said, your mother is gasoline and you are a match. I was like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> How often do you see your birth mom? A few times a week. A few times a week. I rent rooms from her. Oh, okay. How often do you see uh, your mom? Probably about the same. Okay. Sometimes we'll go a few months without seeing each other. Okay. Where are you currently worshiping? The Unitarian Fellowship of Stanislaus County. Okay. I like it because um, love is the doctrine of the fellowship. The quest for truth is its sacrament. And service is its prayer. Do you feel accepted by the Christian homeschool community? No. I feel respected, but not accepted. Okay, that's interesting. You feel respected. In what ways? Um, They're willing to listen to me. Um, not so much willing to take what I have to say and actually give it any thought, but they're willing to listen. What would that look like to feel accepted in that, on that frame? Uh, you would like someone to listen to what you say, give it some thought, maybe come back with a response. Okay. So continue Um, the discussion, basically continue the discussion, actually just just show us uh, an open-mindedness um, and a spirit of peace. Okay. Do you feel that the Christian homeschooling community builds a bridge to you or expects you to no. do all the work towards them? Definitely do all the work towards them. And uh, I get the feeling from the Christian homeschool community that they would only start to build bridges, start to build bridges if I was showing a quote-unquote spirit of repentance. All right, so this next question, nothing you've said is making me question it. I'd just like to ask everybody, where are you currently with your faith right now? Hmm. Uh, On a path for truth. I don't know where truth is. I don't know what truth is, but I'm willing to figure it out. Do you think that if, had there been a op- more open platform for discussion about faith and um, belief systems growing up, that maybe you could have wrestled with some of those things um, with your parents? Probably. And, yeah. um, but that, that was not an option. All right. So at this point, uh, we have listeners that are, maybe listener to our podcast saying, what are Fletch and Kenj doing? They're interviewing someone who is um, you know, openly homosexual, going to a Unitarian church, uh, liberal in his political beliefs, and doesn't have everything positive to say about his Christian homeschool upbringing. Um, what are they doing? Now, what at, are you doing? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> um, yet we, we brought you on this podcast because we really think you have something to say that's valuable. What would you like to say to some of these Christian homeschooling parents who may or may not even realize that they are operating in a rigid legalistic environment? Is there anything you can say to encourage them or to help them see things from a kid's perspective who who may have felt trapped or um, 
oppressed maybe i don't know is that even that's a term yeah is there something you can say to them to say hey open your eyes or or here's here's my perspective if you want to maintain a relationship with your children that is healthy open the lines of communication really accept that your children might have something different to say they might have a different thought process and that is something that you need to respect because if you do not respect that your children will reject you and I have seen the pain that my mother went through for during the years that my two older brothers refused to interact with her because they could not handle her overbearing personality. And I look at her and I said, I just say, Mom, so much of this could have been avoided if you had just been a little bit nicer. Mm. So just really have that nice gentle personality with your children while teaching them and they'll listen to what you have to say at the same time listen to what your children have to say because they have a new they have a fresh perspective on things one more question for you that i have um for any homeschool kids that are listening to this that are maybe have bolted from their family from their faith Uh, from homeschooling for whatever reason, anything you'd say to them? Just try to be understanding. Give your parents some grace. They had, they did the best they could with what they had. And, um, you know, even though the being raised in a rigid homeschooling Christian community can be painful and that, and it can be tough, react to what your parents have done with the spirit of love. And that's, that's all I can do with my parents. Um, they've come a long way in the past few years and it's a change I respect very, very much. Well, we want to thank you, Matt, for being here with us in the makeshift studio, uh, (laughs) that we have created and for taking the time to uh, share with our audience, uh, parts of your life and, Uh, parts of your story and uh, we want to be able to bring you back on multiple occasions uh, for more topics uh, that'd be great we enjoy talking to uh, well thought out articulate people who um, oh stop it you're making me flush (laughs) (laughs) who uh, come over for free dinners so (laughs) yeah now all right hey thanks for being here with us thank you very much for having me it was great hurlers that was quite an interview and uh, we really hope you enjoyed it we hope you uh, enjoyed the honesty that uh, Matthew shared with all of us and uh, we hope that's more than anything brought some questions to your mind Mm. and maybe even brought some discussion points to your mind Kench how can they engage with us on this topic 
Well, we would love to hear your thoughts on this topic. And, and, and again, like, like asking a child or telling a child that they can come and vent and tell you anything you want, we're okay with that. If you want to tell us that we are totally off the mark on this and that you can't believe we, we gave this kid a voice or whatever it is that you're struggling with, you know what? Our identity is in Christ. It's okay. You can tell us anything you want. And we would love to have this discussion with you. Likewise, if you've got a kid who's uh, really struggling with their faith or struggling with their upbringing, let's talk about it. Let's, let's get it out there and let's help you point that kid back to God. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash homeschooling IRL. You can find us on Twitter at homeschool IRL and on our website, homeschooling IRL.com. And we're pretty darn easy to find. Yeah, we don't hide anywhere, especially again, as Kendra was just saying on this topic, uh, I, I would love to see this one being shared. So if you know a family who's had uh, a child that's gone off the rails, um, or like I said, one in your own family, or if you have a, a, a kid, if you're listening to this as a child and you're, you're wanting to engage with someone, again, we'd love to engage with you. Um, those are some easy ways. You can email us as well, info at homeschoolingirl.com. Uh, that email will come direct to us or you go through our website. And if you like the content tonight and you want to see more of it, why don't you head over to the blog and uh, the website and go ahead and subscribe to our website. You will not miss one thing that we publish. Well, we hope you loved this episode. And, uh, you know, this was a little more of a hot potato. And just so you know, we are not cooling things down at all. <laughs> Next one. What is it? Our next episode, which will be number 16, is how do I talk to my kids about sex? Holy moly. I don't even know how to talk to you about sex, Kendra. <laughs> well, we have eight kids, Fletch. I think okay. we've done a pretty we good job. It out. This is a great episode coming up. We've already done the interview. Barrett and Jennifer Johnson, which uh, was from episode 13, how to raise a pagan kid in a Christian home. Yeah. If you remember that fun interview with uh, Barrett and Jennifer, they're a lot of fun. Well, they have written a book called The Talks. Um, and we're going to talk to them about talking to your kids about sex. Plus we're going to share our own insights, our own failures, our own successes. So, you know, before that, we have two weeks before that episode comes out. Why don't you let us know, you know how to reach us. Is there something you want us to address in that topic? And we'll make sure we talk about it for you. We won't pull punches. No, when it, you know, like we've heard already, I like to live on the edge. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you in two weeks. The Homeschooling IRL podcast is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. For more information on this podcast, to contact your hosts, or to connect with Fletch and Kendra on social media, visit us on our website and blog at homeschoolingirl.com.